0: Thank you very much. Thank you for that warm welcome, Josh. I really appreciate that. It's great to be here at home. Uh, My name is Gavin. Great to be with you all and to hear God speak and to experience His presence. And I believe we'll carry on doing that as we look at His Word. So this year, we're going through the Bible in a year. Um, A great undertaking to do for us as a family. If you've never endeavoured to do that, keep going. Keep going after it. If you're behind, don't worry, you can catch up. Um, But this um, evening, we're going to look at Judges. That's the book of the Bible that we've got to so far. So in recent weeks, since the start of the year, we've looked at the opening book to the Bible about how God created the world and he created us as his people to dwell in it, to rule over it and be fruitful. We've seen the unfolding of God's covenant. Through Abraham and Noah, and the establishment of God's people as a family in the stories of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Moses then led God's people from slavery in Egypt into freedom and helped establish the law. He also helped God's people to see the importance of the presence at the center of their lives, the importance of the presence of God at the foundation of their identity, their community and they're journeying as God's people. They had to keep their lives focused on God, and their lives orientated around worship to be fruitful. So when we get to the start of the book of Judges, we see the story has moved on to the early days of God's people, as they've crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land. Joshua has just died, and God has commanded the people, God's people, to get rid of the Canaanites. The Canaanites were bad people, and they had, you know, gods and idols and shiny ways of worshipping that were not pleasing to God at all. So God commanded them through Joshua, one of the final things he said is get rid of everything to do with the Canaanites. Now, as you know, if you've read some of the Old Testament, it's pretty brutal to get rid of everything, everything that stank of the Canaanites had to be get rid of. Unfortunately, the Israelites failed to do that. And the story of Judges is a sorry tale of woe and a lack of God's people consistently worshiping God. Um, so as you go through that, when you get to that in your Bible reading or when you're re- reading that at the moment or in the future, keep going because there are some moments when you just think, oh my goodness, are they gonna make it? Um, praise God, we're the other side and we know that they do. But in the middle of it, you can see the mess that God's people get into when they forget to worship God, when they ignore God's word over their lives. You know, that indication of not getting rid of the Canaanites really did define their story in this this book. They had to get rid of that past. They had to clear out what happened there so they could make their new home. And I'm married um, to Rachel, and uh, we've been we're married about 15, 16 years now. And uh, we bought our first house in 2002 um, in Whittington. And, um, and it was because it was our first house, it needed a little bit of work doing to it. We're Really excited, you know, got the mortgage, about to move in. Um, but it needed quite a lot of work. There was damp, dry rot. The lintels were collapsing. Um, you know, it hadn't been decorated. The wiring was shot. Lots of things needed doing to it. Um, and we bought it and wanted to move in straight away. But we had to sort of take a moment to let the builders go in, completely wreck the house. It looked like at first, but actually they knew what they were doing to get the house ready. But to get rid of all the remnants of the past that were going to hold us back from creating our new home as a family. And praise God, you know, after about eight weeks of work, they got rid of all of that rubbish and we were able to move in and decorate and start our first home together as a couple and as a family. If we'd gone in without the dry rot and the lintels being repaired and and the damp being fixed, that house wouldn't have been the home that God had intended And that's the mistake the Israelites made. They went into the promised land, but they didn't get rid of the past and all the things that were wrong. And God gave them lots of instruction about how to do that. But they were distracted by the Canaanites and their shiny ways of worship and their attractive ways of living in the short term, but weren't God's plan. So to be totally honest, Judges really is a story of God's people in total failure. There are moments of hope, But overall, it shows how much of a mess we make of our lives when we don't acknowledge God as the first. When we don't worship him and acknowledge his lordship and our kingship in our lives. When we forget where we've come from and what we're called to do and who we belong to as God's children, things can get in a mess. Let's look at Judges chapter 2 and verse 8 to 19. This passage encapsulates, really, the whole of the book of um, Judges. There's a lot in the book of Judges. There's 21 chapters, um, some great stories of God raising up men and women to lead his people. Um, but this book, uh, this chapter, um, just kind of encapsulates that whole story. So Judges, chapter two, and verse eight to 19. Can follow that with me, however you want. Um, verse eight says this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110 and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation he gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples all around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who had been in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge. And and save them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods and serving and worshipping them, they refused to give up their practices and their stubborn ways. And that passage kind of repeats over and over again throughout the book of Judges. But there is hope, you know, there is hope for us that we can learn from this story in our past as God's people um, to help us um, move forward. This word judges comes up a lot in this book. The book is actually called Judges, and it's about a group of people that God raises up at different times to help lead his people. So, when we think of the word judge, we often think of um, people sat behind a big bar with a, a false wig on, enacting orders and justice in the courtroom. Um, and, you know, if you watch um, different TV programs, the judge can be quite, um, you know, charismatic and, you know, go into jail or, you no, know, you're free. Um, this is, wasn't what these judges were like. They were more military leaders raised up by God to lead his people. They were like rulers and army leaders and clans and chieftain leaders in this time. And God raised up men and women to do that. But there wasn't a recognition of them as the leader of all of God's people. So at this point, God's people were really divided into their various tribes and their various clans. So even when God raised up one of these judges and they had a measure of success in battle and in bringing peace... Their leadership wasn't recognised by all of God's people. And there's a phrase that comes up in the book of Judges that is repeated a few times. There was an indication of how they were living at this point. In Judges 17 and verse 6, I want to just turn to that. Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. And it's actually the final verse of the book as well, the final phrase of the book, um, it says this: in those, day, in those days, Israel, God's people in this time, had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. There was no rule. There was no acknowledgement of God as their leader, God as their king. So they just did what they wanted. They did their own thing. They did their own thing. All the freedom that God had established for them from coming out of Egypt was squandered in living the way that they wanted. See, the truth was that they did actually have a king. You know, his name was God. But they didn't acknowledge that and they didn't recognize that and they did their own thing. And we can think, well, how how foolish, how silly. But fast forward into our own lives and we know that Jesus is our King, if you're a Christian here this evening. We acknowledge his Lordship and his rule and his reign, but at times we can sometimes forget that and ignore that, and we can still do our own thing. And that's when we get into problems in our lives as followers of Jesus, because the life of a Christian is defined by submitting to the rule and the love of Jesus. To acknowledge his kingship and his kingdom in every area of our lives and to bow our knee before him and not to do as we see fit, as not to do whatever we want. We've actually now been bought at a price, we've been saved for purpose, and actually we can now live for him and live for his kingdom. So one of the key themes in the book of Judges is the theme of identity, Like I said before, they failed to drive out the Canaanites with their ways of worship and their lifestyle, um, and that came back to bite them. The Israelites had been set free from slavery in Egypt. Moses had pleaded their cause with the pharaohs, let my people go so that they may... What's the word? Every time Moses goes to Pharaoh, he says, let my people go so that they may... Worship. Worship me. Yeah, about... Nine, ten times, um, um, uh, Moses and Aaron go in front of the Pharaoh and says, "Let my people go, so that they may worship." And every time the Pharaoh he 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 resists and he resists, and the plagues get worse and they get worse, and he resists and he resists, and finally. You know, God frees His people. The Pharaohs relented, and, and God parts the Red Sea. And it's a dramatic story of God intervening, and, and a picture of God bringing His people out of captivity and slavery into freedom. It's a picture of salvation that we ultimately see in our lives in Jesus. And they were taken out of Egypt into the Promised Land, so they could worship, worship God and God alone. And God is a jealous God. And because they were worshipping other gods and other people's ways of worshipping, God was not happy. They were doing as they saw fit. How sad that they you know, started to say, we want to go back to Egypt We want to go back to being whipped and making bricks without straw. We want to go back to the safety of Egypt. How sad that God had miraculously intervened, set them free, brought them into this wonderful land, wonderful freedom to worship and to be his people, but they couldn't see that in this time. You know, true freedom in our lives with Jesus does come with responsibility. We can't just do as we see fit. We're not walking robots by any means. God has given us a mind and a will and he helps us and he gives us wisdom but we can't just do as we see fit. We're part of a community. We're part of a kingdom. God has spoken to us and he wants to help and lead us to live in a way that's honoring to him and that takes his love in our lives to the rest of the church and the world. You see, a tree is free but can only bear fruit when it's rooted in the ground. You take that tree out of the ground, you say, well, it's free. But actually, it was more free when it was rooted in the ground. A fish is free, but can only really thrive and survive in water. We are free to live as God's people But we can only really do that when we're grounded in the purpose of God, in his word, in the life of the Holy Spirit, part of his church and rooted in his presence. So our identity as God's sons and daughters, dealing with that past, dealing with those distractions in our lives is so important. We want to make sure worship is at the center of our lives. And we don't go through that cycle of forgetting God, going away from him, coming back, worshipping him, then going away. And that's what God's people did in Judges. But there's a better story for us to live in. I don't know if you've ever seen or observed that way of things happening over and over again, that cycle of things that happen, uh, maybe in a way that we don't always want. Um, I don't know if you're an Arsenal fan here this evening, but if you are, apologies... (laughs) But um, I've got quite a lot of respect for Arsenal and their manager particularly, who's survived a long time in that job, Um, but I think in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, some would argue that they've underachieved. Um, And the Arsenal season has a very set cycle that is actually repeating again this season, so... Football season starts in August, really nice weather, everyone's on their holidays, and football season starts, and Arsenal like just walk it, they win five, six, seven matches on the trot, the weather's nice, the passing's amazing, and they're top of the league, we're going to win the league, we're going to win the Champions League, we're going to win the FA Cup, we're going to win everything. And then October comes, the nights draw in, it gets a little bit colder, and Arsenal's form just tends to dip and dip, and by Christmas it's like, sack the manager, we need some new players, it's all terrible. They usually spend quite a long money in January or a little bit, get some new players, um, and then by the time they get to March, April and the weather starts to improve again, they just about get enough points to get into fourth position and get into the Champions League. And it's kind of like, we've done alright, but... We've not really achieved what we should. So again, apologies if you're an Arsenal fan. It's just an example of cycles that happen in our lives. And I would suggest that Arsenal don't quite achieve what they do at the moment is because they don't have that identity of champions. Unfortunately, at the moment, I'm not. I'm not like my team is nowhere near Arsenal's standard. So I'll tell you that later. But sometimes in our lives, we see cycles of behavior, whether it's a football team, or our children, or a city, or our own community. Cycles of behavior that happen because we're not strong in who we are in God. We are loved. We are chosen. Jesus is our king. But when he is the king, there's a way of living that he calls us into that means we can live fruitfully. So that's the next theme. The first theme was identity. The second theme I think we see in Judges is the kingdom. That phrase, Israel had no king. is repeated four times um, in the book of Judges. And the sad thing was they did actually have a king. They just forgot and chose not to uh, worship and acknowledge him as king. He was God, their Messiah, their king. See, God, in the midst of this turmoil, raised up Judges to lead his people away from their error. Um, Deborah was a fantastic judge and under her leadership the, the people had 40 years of peace and they had peace on their borders and they began to see what it was like to live as God's people but when she died it all just went wrong again. There was no succession, there was no consistency. Again Gideon was raised up, Samson had his moments but again he was distracted um, by a woman, um, not from his tribe. Um, and he chose to go away that was not what God wanted. So God raised up judges who did lead God's people and helped them to be or they were called to be. But when they died, it went really wrong and it went really wrong again. And God's people got into a mess. God ultimately, in, after judges, heard the cries of his people and gave them a king in Saul and David and other kings after that. But it was very reluctantly that God granted that wish. God has always wanted us to live under him as our king. That he would be our leader and that he would help us to be a kingdom of people, of sons and daughters, of princes and princesses, living in his lordship and his rulership, taking that kingdom into the world around us. See, when we don't submit to the kingship of Jesus and we don't seek first his kingdom, things get into a mess when we don't acknowledge Jesus as king and orientate our life around him, things can go off track. He said this to his disciples in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And that whole chapter of Matthew is all about the things of this life, what we wear, what we eat, how we work, how we do things. You know, the hairs on our head are numbered by God. How much more? than the fields and and the birds of the air, does God love us as his people? And if we seek him first and place him first in our lives, God will care for all the rest. So the lack of a king in their own eyes was a fundamental problem for the Israelites in Judges, the aspect of the kingdom. Another theme I think is key in, in Judges is the presence And worship. I've already talked about how they got distracted and worshipped other gods and there's a real lack of an awareness of God's presence, which is so sad. We've read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers chapter after chapter about the tent of meeting, about the importance of worship, about all the rituals that God's people had to go through before they could come into his presence, about all the things that God had orchestrated for them to meet with him in that time. Unfortunately, there is no mention of the presence in the book of Judges. In 21 chapters, that word is not there. There's six mentions of worship in Judges, but only one of those is positive. Five of those are negative in the context of God's people worshipping other gods that were not God himself. In that passage we talked about, it talks about them prostituting themselves, a really stark use of language. And when you read Judges, be warned, it's pretty graphic, it's pretty in detail. There's some stories in there that would certainly have an 18 rating if they were made into a film, but it just shows the mess that God's people can get into when they don't follow Jesus. So we can see it as a warning and an encouragement of how we should live The tent of meeting that we saw so much detail in the law is mentioned in Joshua chapter 18 and verse 1. So just before the start of the book of Judges and it was in a place called Shiloh. It reappears again then in 1 Samuel chapter 2 after Judges but there's no mention of the tent of meeting in the whole of the book of Judges. Was it still there? Yes, it was there. But the people got so distracted by uh, the Canaanites and their idols and their Asherah poles and their ways of worship that they forgot to worship the way God had prescribed. So, so sad that God's people had got themselves into that mess. Only a couple of generations after coming out of Egypt from slavery into freedom, they'd quickly forgotten why God had brought them into freedom. But praise God, despite all of this, God still loved his people. And as it came in the worship earlier, God always loves his people. We cannot do anything to make God love us more or God to love us less. And that was so seen in this passage that God still cared for his people. His covenant and his plan was unremitting and was secure. And he wanted a people living in his presence, under his lordship, being a family, being a community, bringing heaven onto earth and taking that to the world all around them. That has always been God's plan. And he tried with different men and women as judges in this book to help God's people get back on track, to lead them away from their error. And for moments that happened... But when that judge died, or they died in battle, they slipped back to their old ways and they forgot that God was their king. But again, another key theme of this book is God's grace for his people. Over and over and over again, he gave them a chance to start afresh with a new judge in a new time. These judges and the good ones, because there were some bad ones, but the good ones that God raised up Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, and Samson, in those times we saw a glimpse and a hope for the future of God's people living in peace, living in worship, obeying God, you know, tearing down the, the idols and the bowels and the of poles, and following God and God alone. And those moments in the book of Judges give us hope for what was to come and give us hope for our lives today. So actually, when we make God number one in our lives, when we acknowledge his lordship, when we serve in his kingdom, when we work together with others in the church, we can be all that God has called us to be. And we can show the world the love of Jesus, his plans, his purposes in our lives, in community. It's a beautiful picture and one that God has always wanted for his people. And through Jesus, we now have the means to do that that the law was never able to achieve in Jesus we have that hope so key themes in judges identity dealing with our past the kingdom having a king acknowledging jesus as lord awareness of god's presence god still continues to care for his people he's a gracious god and there's a hope and a better plan for the future So how does this all tie in with today? How do we learn from the book of Judges and what God's people did or didn't do in that book? How do we apply that now in our lives here in Manchester, here in the year of 2017? With all that's going on around us, how do we apply that? Well, that phrase, everyone did as they saw fit, could be a commentary on the world today. A world without Jesus, it's everyone just doing my thing, my way. One of the most popular songs of all time is Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way. And I'm not going to sing for you. Um, but that song is so popular throughout the last sort of 50 years. And it's a commentary on what life is like without Jesus. We just do what we want, when we want it. I'll get everything I want in my time. And that's so counter to the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, we've said when we bowed our knee before Jesus that we don't want what we want anymore. We want what he wants. It's not what I want. It's not everyone doing as they see fit. It's seeing Jesus, what's your will for my life? How do I hear from you, listen to you, and respond to that and make decisions in light of the kingdom and in the light of eternity? So for us to know Jesus our king is fundamental in our identity as sons and daughters, in our worship. Not just what we do when we gather here on a Sunday evening or in our homes or in Connect, but throughout all of our lives, how we worship Jesus in our workplaces, in our studying, with our families, on the bus, when we're driving along. How do we worship that responds to God's grace to that world all around us? And in our mission as well. So to be a loved lover loving others, we have to bow the knee continually to the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. He is king, he is Lord. He rules with love, but his ways and purposes are the way to live. And if you are a Christian this evening, we know that we have to continually bow our knee before him. It's not just a one-off event. It's a daily decision to count the cost, to take up our cross, and to follow him. To say, it's not about what I want, and my will but it's your will being done it's your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and it's challenging and it challenges us to the very core of what we want to do in our lives and when we allow Jesus to be king of everything it changes everything so I just want to finish with something that A.W. Tozer said he described people who know the kingship of Jesus and who have met the Lord at the cross and in his resurrection with these characteristics. He said there's three things about them. They're facing in only one direction. They can never turn back and they no longer have plans of their own. I'll repeat that again. They're described as people who face only one direction. They can never turn back and they no longer have plans of their own. And that's what God's people in Judges failed to do. They couldn't face any one direction towards God. They kept on looking back to Egypt. They kept on looking all around them to the Canaanites and their shiny ways of worshipping. They wanted to go back to Egypt. You know, it's so sad how much God had done for them in bringing them into freedom. But they says, can you take us back to Egypt and they had their own plans everyone did as they saw fit it was a free for all it was what i want and when i want it and those who have met with jesus at the cross and know his kingdom in their lives no longer have plans of their own now we do have plans and it's not that we just kind of just don't do anything but it's actually submitting those thoughts and dreams and ideas and plans at the foot of the cross To the feet of Jesus and to allow his power, his love, his purposes to permeate everything that we do. To listen to him and be ready to change direction. To listen to him and allow him to stir that in our hearts. To listen to him, to allow him to use us in our lives. Let's just turn to the end of the book of Judges to read the final verse. Just to repeat this this phrase that appears a number of times in the book of Judges. says, in those days, Judges 21 verse 25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. The hope for us today that in our days, God's people do have a king and his name is Jesus. And that means we can live under his lordship and his rulership we can know his love and his dreams and his destiny upon our lives and we can see his kingdom come in and through us as a church in and through our lives so we just pray thank you jesus lord we do thank you for this journey and adventure that you're taking us on through the bible Thank you that as we look at the story of the Bible, we see the story of Jesus and we see the story of you bringing your people to yourself to live with you in your covenant, in your kingship, in your love, God. Lord, help us to learn from the mistakes of the past and to learn from those in our time and in our generation that we would acknowledge you as king and that we wouldn't just go off and do our own thing, that we would submit our lives to you afresh tonight, acknowledging your kingship and your lordship and your kingdom in every area of what we do. Lord, would you help us here in Manchester in 2017 to focus and worship on you, to give you the rightful place in our lives, in our adoration, in our time, in our emotions, that you would be number one, that we would deal with our past, that we would deal with those things that distract us and we'd come into that glorious Destiny of knowing you as our King. Lord, it's so wonderful to be part of your kingdom, of your church in this world. Help us to apply that in every single day. Help us to take your love into our own lives and to the world around us, that we would live at peace, knowing your gospel, knowing your truth. Thank you for your kingship, Jesus. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you called us as a family to yourself. And right now, would you just minister, Lord, to the people here in this room, people here in this site, would you just minister your loving kingship? That submitting to you, Lord, is not something to run away from, that's something that you embrace us into, that you are the king of love and your hand of grace is stretched out wide this evening for us as we rededicate our lives to you and as we cry out, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you.